vision. And whoever knows me knows that I sketch. And um, so today I got a vision of a girl with her eyes closed with the mask on. And of course, wherever you go, you see masks everywhere. And you get that, uh, that sensation that you see people through their eyes. Okay. <laughs> and I'm not one to step out and do this. It's hard for me. And Dave always told me that there's something in my sketches. Well, today's the day, Dave. <laughs> so what I got from that was, is, I am your mask. This is what he said to me. I am your mask. I will protect you. I am always with you, and I will never leave you. So that's what I got, and that was the vision. And I just, I didn't want to share it, but I felt like my body got real hot, and it got shaky, and I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. <laughs> So that's what I got. All right. Yeah, you need to come see some of the things she she draws for sure. Uh, she probably just check every every Sunday, right? Like Dave's doing, right? Hey, what did you, what did you draw today? Hey, you know what? That's that's so amazing because. Um, You know, everybody responds in the presence of God differently. Did, did you know that? Um, I don't. I've. Well, I've never sketched anything. I don't. I don't like to draw, and so for me to try to draw something in my time with Jesus would be distracting. Maybe even to him. <laughs> I mean, it, it would, it wouldn't, it wouldn't flow. But, but when, when that is a way that you communicate and you receive communication from God, then it, it flows. And so you have to find the way that you connect with God. If it's an artistic way, if it's singing, if it's dancing, you're like some of you. Are like, if I had to dance in the presence of God, it would be so awkward and it would so get me off. Then, hey, you know what? Don't dance then. I mean, unless if the Holy Spirit sometimes has you do something as an act of obedience, I get that. But in general, he's going to take who you are, who he's created you to be, and begin to work with who you are and speak to you in that way. Because he, he's the best communicator there is. Jesus is the best communicator there is. He knows how to communicate to you. And so I encourage you. I mean, we, we're pretty free on Sundays, obviously pretty free. We're just here. People are laying flat on the ground and soaking in the presence of God. Um, and some people are just sitting there. Hey, and if you just sit there and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm just receiving this revelation from God. On the outside, we might go, and, man, that person's just sitting there doing nothing. That's why we close our eyes and worship up here at some point, right? Because we don't want to be, we don't, you can't judge on the outside what's going on on the inside, right? Like, oh man, what's, what are they, drawing during, you know, what are you doing, doodling? Can you not just pay attention to the worship song? I'm not talking. What I'm saying is that's good. You're, you're responding to God. If a doodle is, is God speaking to you or you speaking to him, that's the whole point. 
is for you to get in touch with Jesus, for us to gather together and, and as one worship him and love him and receive from him and hear from him. So find out the way you connect with, with God. You know, don't get stuck in the way that, that I do or somebody else does. Man, for me, it'd be singing. I can just play an instrument and sing, and I can just go for a while. And way longer after everybody else is all bored, like, can we play something different now? I'm like, man, I'm playing. This is awesome. <laughs> but if you're not a musician, if you're not a, a, a worshiping musician, then you can be like, that's not how I connect with Jesus. It may not even be music. It may be silence. What if for you just sitting in silence allows you to connect with God and hear from him? And he hears from you just by your heart. Just your heart connects with him without even your mouth saying anything. So it's, it's good. It's good to do that. Thank you, Patty, for stepping out and, uh, you know, really helping somebody else. Because, you know, every time you step out in faith and take a risk and do what God is telling you to do, that can help somebody else who's like, I'm feeling the same way. Uh, oh, man, don't we all feel the same way when God is t- trying to tell us something new, Right. Don't you wish he'd just keep us in the same safe place and then we could just enjoy that? No, he doesn't do that. Uh, and he decided to, you know, I guess the whole world's now not, not that same place. So he's like, hey, we're getting used to new things all the time uh, and stepping out in faith. And go ahead and open your Bible. We'll just cut, go for a few minutes to the book of First Peter. First Peter chapter 1. I've been thinking about this book for a while, and so I'm, we're gonna we're gonna I'm not saying we're gonna keep going in it. I'm just saying we're gonna we're gonna start today in, in chapter one. Uh, it's it's such an amazing first part of the chapter. We're gonna read through the first twelve verses, and I just really want to highlight a couple things uh, as we get going. So First Peter chapter one, Holy Spirit, open the Word, open our ears to hear the Word as as it's read. So it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. It's a, this is a letter, so he's addressing the letter. To God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Okay, so that's the regions he's writing to. There's, there's churches in those cities. Verse 2 says, those who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood. You know that you were chosen by God. You were chosen by God through the work of Jesus, through the purification and the, and the, the change and the transformation of Jesus, for what? To be obedient. Did you know you were chosen for obedience? You were you were chosen to obey God. You're like, oh, I was hoping for something else on that last part. <laughs> to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Thank you, Jesus, that that last part's on there too. For when we're not obedient, there's the covering of his blood. But we are chosen 
to be obedient. So you're chosen to obey God. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never, everybody say never, never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Everybody say, I have an inheritance in heaven. I'm I'm doing the out loud thing today, sorry. Uh, Who through faith are shielded by God's power. Did we just hear something about the shield? From, from, From Mrs. Patty? That you're shielded by, through faith, by God's power. Until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all of this, you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. You know, right now we're kind of in a season of grief. And we've touched on this before. Is it cold in here? Because my wife is wrapped in a whole blanket. (laughs) Hey, that new thermostat is different. I want you to know, ladies, it's three degrees warmer than normal on that new thermostat. Maybe punch it up just one notch uh, until somebody, some other man who's sweating glares at you, Dave. Um, We're in a time of grief right now. Because it says, look, you've had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Whenever you go into a trial, it can be a time where you just have to grieve some things because you're going through something that's hard. It may be, you're like, it has nothing to do with the whole world. It may be something personally that you're going through, whether, world, whether the world changed or not, you would be going through it. But you're, you're, you have to realize that you might be grieving There's sadness going on right now. It's not necessary. I'm not saying it's necessarily bad to to have that. It's just the reality. It's like, hey, this is this is what's going on. And sometimes it's good to recognize, hey, I'm dealing with some sadness and grief in my life. Could be a change of the job like Ashley started it. Just a change of who you are and your whole identity. Everything has changed for you. Maybe it's a change in your family situation. Maybe it's a change in uh, your health. Maybe it's a change in, in relationships. You're like, well, I had these friends before and they're, they seem to have disappeared. Maybe it's a change in the way that you fellowship with people just because of our world situation. Whatever it is, you might be suffering grief. You might be, you might be grieving. And the good thing about grief is this. It can be really good. In the book of Ecclesiastes, my Bible won't stay open, so I've got to fold it over. In the book of Ecclesiastes, there's a verse, and I wasn't planning on saying this one, but uh, it says it's, it's better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting. And I'll have to get you the reference if you want that. It's Ecclesiastes, I think, chapter 9. Uh, 
it's better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting. And you're like, why? <laughs> I mean, who wants to go to the house of, house of mourning when there's the other choice of the house of feasting? And this is why I believe it's better sometimes to be in that house because sometimes there's things about God that you can only find out when you're in grief, when you're in, when a, when you're in a place of sadness, when you're in a place of mourning. There's a revelation of his character that you can't receive in the house of feasting. When you're in the house of feasting, there's other revelation going on. There's all kinds of good stuff going on. But there is something that you can't find about the character of God and the character of who God has made you to be unless you're in the house of sadness, unless you're in the house of of hardship, unless you're in the house of the trial or the tribulation, the house of testing. In those houses, God is revealing first who he is, and then he's working that part of himself and his character into your heart. Because isn't that what, what God says he's doing? That he's forming us into the image of Jesus Christ. Jesus, part of his life, part of who his identity was, what does it say in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, that he was a man of sorrows. And he was stricken with grief. I'm going to reference the book I'm reading with my son again. Ooh, is it getting hot in here now? Or is it just me? <laughs> in the book I'm, we're reading, and again, if you, if you haven't followed my illustrations, they come many times from the books or the Bible that I'm reading to my kids. So, hey, read to your kids. God might speak to you or use you to preach. Um, and so in this book... The animals, there's animals that are on missions from God. Anybody remember this? Okay. Refreshing your memory. So this is a book based on the perspective of these animals who could communicate with God and communicate with each other. It's a fantasy book, I get it. But they deal with characters in the Bible. And so right now, they're, they're on a mission from God, from the maker, to be with the prophet Isaiah. And so they're with the prophet Isaiah, and they're watching Isaiah as he writes out his prophecies on the scroll, and they're watching for all the things that he writes about Messiah. And every time he, he sees something, so in early on it's like, and oh, the Messiah is going to be born of a virgin. And they're there watching, and, they're, and the animals are like taking their own notes somehow. Um, the mouse can write, of course, because it's a book, and you can do anything you want with a mouse. And so the mouse writes down, the English mouse, Nigel, is writing down all this stuff. He's writing down all the things about Messiah. And so all these amazing things, he's going to do all these, you know, establish righteousness in his kingdom, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, all these amazing things. And then it gets to this point where Isaiah is like weeping. And it's when he writes Isaiah 53. And it starts off where he's like, he's disfigured beyond recognition of being a man. A man of sorrows. And all the animals are like going, how can this happen to Messiah? How can this happen to him? And they're all grieved too. Isaiah, it says, is, you know, is weeping because he's having the revelation. He, know, he knows this, this is the one I've been writing about, and, but it doesn't make sense. 
Why is he being despised and rejected by men? Why is he carrying the sickness and sorrow and grief on his back? Why It says he's being pierced through our iniquities. He's being crushed. He's being wounded. You know, part of the image of Jesus being worked in us sometimes is the is is the place of, of sorrow, of sadness and grief. Now, the good news is the Messiah didn't stay in that place, and neither will you. But we will be in those places, and it's in those moments, I believe, that the character of God is revealed to us And the character of God is released in us. And so Peter's writing about that. He's saying that you had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Look, verse 7. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire. So here's why they've come, so that your proven genuineness of your faith may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. You know, in the middle of those things that you're going through, there is an offering of worship that's being released in heaven as the genuineness of your faith is walked out through grief, sorrow, and trial and testing. You know, there's a part of faith that just endures. That's kind of the really the word that, that I felt like God was saying today was, I want to release an enduring faith into your life. And it's similar to the message I preached a couple weeks ago, but I feel like, you know, it's like that, that faith of Abraham, the, the faith that goes long, the faith that, that, that presses through, the faith that, that will not give up, the faith that holds on even though it's getting confusing, the faith that holds on in the middle of sadness, the faith that holds on in the middle of question, the faith that holds on in the middle of confusion, the faith that holds on in the middle of disappointment, the faith that holds on when it seems like faith is not working. That's the genuineness of your faith, and it's an offering of worship. There'll be praise and glory revealed, and you know what? We'll just keep reading. It says, though you've not seen him, right? We haven't seen him physically, most of us. There might be a few that have, but though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him, and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Why? For you're receiving the goal or the end result of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets, there's Isaiah, he's in there, Isaiah, Micah, Ezekiel, all the different ones, Daniel, that all the animals are showing up to right now um, in my book with my son. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care. 
And think about being one of those guys where you just had God showing you stuff and then you're, you're trying to like, ooh, when is this going to be? What's, what's this going to be? What's this going to be like? They were trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted what? The sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. We want the glory without the suffering, don't we? (laughs) Show us your glory. Let's not sing that one next week. (laughs) Show me your glory, God. All right. (laughs) Are you ready to see my glory? You might have to walk through the sufferings of the Messiah and join in his grief, but know that you're going to get the glory because the glory was on the other side for Jesus, the Messiah, that he didn't stay in that place of grief. He didn't stay in that place of death. He didn't stay, stay in that place that looked like defeat. It wasn't defeat, but it looked like defeat. And he entered into glory by winning the victory. And so we enter into glory by entering into his victory, even though we might walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm going to fear no evil. For what? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, the rod, we're we're way off the track here. The rod of a shepherd was a very fascinating thing uh, that they used for all kinds of reasons. Uh, The rod, it says, your rod and your staff, they come for me. That's Psalm 23, the famous psalm. Uh, For one, it was to, you know, get a hold, you know, get the sheep's attention. To sometimes discipline the sheep, you know. Get back there, sucker. (laughs) Sometimes you need to get back there, sucker, right? (laughs) You know, and the shepherd's crook, you know, they could get a hold of the the sheep uh, back in the day. But the other thing that the rod was used for was when a vicious animal would try to come and kill the sheep. The shepherd would take the rod, and they they were good at this. They they could throw the rod at the animal, and they would hit them in the head. And it's a very heavy wooden rod. I mean, this wasn't just a nice little stick, but this is a this is a serious serious weapon. And so, you know, the rod of the shepherd strikes the enemy that tries to bring harm to the sheep. So a beautiful picture. That's why your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Number one, the comfort is that I'm going to be disciplined by a shepherd who cares for me. You know, it says in in the Bible, I think it's, uh, oh, it's in Hebrews, yeah. And we may get to that scripture later. It says, endure hardship as discipline, for God is treating you as sons and daughters. You know, what if we endured the hard things we're going through as discipline? 
hey, it may not be discipline of, oh, you did something wrong. It may just be you're being disciplined. You're being disciplined so that you be, can become what? A disciple. A better disciple is is more disciplined because that's kind of what the word means there. Okay, so the Bible won't stay open at First Peter on this this Bible. But remember where First Peter is? There it is. Let's finish the ver- let's finish the sections right next to Second Peter. Verse twelve. We're going to read this last verse here, and then we'll close it out. It was revealed to them the prophets that they were not serving themselves, but you. They knew what they were doing. They knew they were writing this and pouring themselves out for a whole other generation of people. I mean, can you imagine the prophet Jeremiah? If you aren't familiar with Jeremiah, this this is Jeremiah's ministry. And I'm sure I've said it before. I'm sure I've said everything before. <laughs> After you preach long enough, you've said it before. You know, Jeremiah's ministry was this. God said, okay, go, and you're going to s- say everything I want you to say, and nobody will ever listen to you. Zero. But you're going to keep saying what I'm telling you to say. And in fact, some people are going to, you know, harm you. <laughs> you're going to begin to be harmed. Not only are they not going to listen to you, they're going to physically and emotionally and verbally abuse you. But go, say everything that I want you to say. And I'm going to put my words in your mouth and they're going to be a fire like in your bones. My words are going to be a fire in you. But nobody's going to listen to you. During your lifetime. But after his lifetime. There's a whole lot of people listening to Jeremiah. It says the people were taken captive. And Jeremiah was saying. Was trying to warn them. And they were taken captive. I bet you they went back. And the next generation is like. What did that guy say? Uh, we, we're speaking the words of Jeremiah. Jeremiah has one of the most famous verses in it. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. If you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart. That's Jeremiah. Nobody listened to that when he was alive, though. He had to endure hardship all through his life. But he was doing it for the next generation. Sometimes you're going through things that you might be doing it not for you. It might not be for you. It might be for somebody that's to come. Some of you all have done that. You've gone through things and it wasn't for your life to to be amazing. It was for your kids, your grandkids, or your future generations. That you're you imagine if we had the 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 uh, eternal view where we were so focused on the generations to come that we're like, I'm, I'm willing to endure this now so that they can receive something greater.